Welcome to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm Pete Mazzetti. My guest this evening is Janet Stolfi Alfano, who is the Executive Director of the Diaper Bank of Connecticut. Hi there. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Long time no I see. It's, it's been really, a while. It's great to be back. I think Hi, it thanks was... for coming down. Thanks for coming down. Yeah. What's new? Oh, there's uh, a lot new. A lot. There's a lot new. Yeah, so I think we saw each other last uh, in July or August uh -huh. over the summer. I think the weather was warm. It was very warm. I do remember that. Not now. No, not at all. <laughs> And um, we have been up to a lot since then. Oh, good. The first thing that was really exciting was we conducted a healthy baby diaper drive. Okay. Which was a diaper drive across the state of Connecticut. And our goal was to collect and or raise the equivalent of 500,000 diapers okay. across the state. Um, it was a three-week effort that involved community partners like um, Stop and Shop, Raymond Flanagan, many places that acted as collection points for, for diapers across the state. Okay. Um, and as well as local corporate sponsors. Um, and so I'm happy to report that we did raise 500,000 diapers. Yay. Yes, we were so excited to do that. And I will say that my, um, my team really did such an amazing job Normally, we hold a gala or an event in the fall. Yes. If, if you remember. And we had been really thinking, particularly since COVID, how do we want to use our time and resources and our folks um, interested in going back to a gala? And we felt like it was a great opportunity to really spread the message across the state and engage folks more fully in the issue of diaper need and what does it mean. So instead of having folks all come to one location, we really wanted to open it up um, to folks across the state so we could educate those who maybe didn't know about this issue okay. and also engage new partners um, in helping us spread the word and collect these needed resources for families across the state. Okay. And we did well, we collected we did well. for 500,000 diapers. Over 500,000 diapers. Okay. And of course, I know your audience knows, but maybe uh, a little reminder about, you know, the issue of diaper need Yes, is really significant um, in our state and across the country. Okay. Um, and we, we are following a national average of about one in three infants and toddlers uh, do suffer from diaper need. All right. And in Connecticut, that's somewhere around the neighborhood of 30, 30,000 to 35,000 children, okay. which is significant, if you can imagine. Right. In a state like ours, that ha is, is so rich in so many ways, it has vast resources. We know that one in three young children does not have enough diapers that they need. Right. And that can really have some significant impacts on both the baby, but also the family. Right. Um, we know that the health impacts to the child can be anything from diaper rash, which if left untreated or those conditions don't change, it can turn into something much more severe. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good, right? It's not, it's not a good situation for anyone. No. And then we also know that the, it impacts the health and well-being of moms. Right. There was a study done in uh, 2013 that ended up in the Journal of Pediatrics by Dr. Megan Smith that looked at the correlation between diaper need and maternal stress. Mm -hmm. And it was the, a number one indicator. And so we know that Having access to these items actually helps the health and well-being of babies and also of moms and families. Okay. 
Now, last time we were together, you and I talked about the importance of how people can't afford diapers now because if you send your child, you, you have to send your child to school with diapers or else. Right. Yeah, so that's a great point. Thank you for bringing it up. Mm -hmm. um, so to access childcare, yep. particularly subsidized childcare right. for um, moderate income families, you need to bring a supply of diapers with your child to childcare. Uh -huh. And if you don't, a couple of things can happen. Mm -hmm. One, you can, they can say, I'm sorry, we can't accept your child without the supply. Two, you know, that child care center, that small business, that mm -hmm. home child care center or family child care, mm -hmm. they can be faced with really a difficult set of circumstances. One, I lose this child from my, my center or my home-based daycare right. and lose that source of income. Mm -hmm. If I say you can't come because you don't bring diapers, right. potentially losing some own income for my own family. Right. You know, or maybe that child loses a subsidized slot. Again, same thing, it will impact the family and also this small business that is at the heart of really our state and our community. We know that um, childcare and especially early, um, quality early childcare is such an important, um, an important issue that is impacting so many families in our state and across the country. Right and that this small thing can actually make someone not have uh, access to their subsidized childcare. Now one thing we didn't talk about, tell us a little bit of background information on the organization and who you guys exactly are. Sure, so we were founded in 2004 okay. by a social worker by the name of Joanne Goldblum mm -hmm. and she was uh, doing home visits to families in New Haven and saw this issue directly, saw families having to um, reuse disposable diapers or keep their child in a diaper for too long. And it was something that she brought up with colleagues at the Yale Child Study Center, um, but also with family and friends. And finally, um, really it was her husband who said, just, let's just do something about this diaper thing. And the idea for the, um, the organization was created. And you know, our model is really the same as it was back then, which is distributing diapers to families who need them through and in partnership with organizations that are already serving those families. Right. So from that initial, there were five initial agencies that started with the New Haven Diaper Bank, that's what we were known as okay. at the time. Um, and to now, you know, our growth over the past, oh my gosh, so many years, 18 years, is that right? 18 years, yeah. almost 19 years. Um, we have over 100 partners okay. across the state of Connecticut in every county. And we know this, we're serving about 6,000 kids roughly every month, but we know that we're not meeting all the need. You recall there's around 30,000. Um, and so we know that while we're doing a lot and we are one of the larger diaper banks in the country, we know that we're not meeting all of the need. Um, and so it's really important that we push ahead and be as innovative as we can to figure out how do we meet more of families' needs. And we know the significance of them and we have both participated in um, and observed the growing body of research and work and have helped move the needle forward in helping folks meet this basic need. Now, exactly, and from what I hear, you guys have a pretty 
good size operation at your facility in North Haven. Yeah. Tell us about it. Sure. So we are in North Haven, right on State Street. Everyone knows where Liutzi's is. Mm -hmm. We're right down the street from Liutzi's, which is wonderful and dangerous oh. at the same time. Well, trust me, I know. <laughs> well, trust me, I know. Um, we're, we occupy about um, 20 to 25,000 square feet of okay. warehouse and some office space, mostly warehouse space. Um, you know, and we have a warehouse team, we have a program staff, development staff. Um, we're moving diapers in our, you know, trucks in and out every day across the state. And the need is great. Yeah. You know, we could use more vehicles, right. more money for supplies, more staff to help us get more diapers out there. So right. we know that um, we have a scalable model. Mm -hmm. Um, and that we are, we've been doing this, you know, for a while, um, and we have a level of staffing and expertise that um, is looked upon really, I would say, favorably across the country. Right. And so, again, we know that we need to meet more of the need that exists right in our state. Now, if somebody needs diapers, they can't walk into the facility and say, knock, knock, knock. Hi, I'm here. I need diapers. What can you do for me? Yeah. No. I mean, that does happen on occasion. Really? It does. And um, <laughs> what we do is that's not um, really a, a feasible option for everyone, you know, depending right. on what part of the state you live in. Right. We do try to match folks with uh, organizations that are in their local yeah. community. Like Bear Necessities. Exactly. Like so. Tina. Yep, so there are organizations just meeting that need right in their community. Yeah. Um, and we partner with, you know, many of those folks. And for us, it's it's helpful because it actually helps us meet the needs of more children and families that way. And then they don't have to go somewhere else to get their needs met. So that is um, truly important to us. Now, as far as in the change of seasons, how are you guys going to handle the winter obviously people people it's not people are more cooped up and people yeah. are home because they don't want it's too cold to go out yeah for us and the partners that we um, work with yeah. for the most part they remain open certainly we have days where our trucks won't be able to be on the road and mm -hmm. we make um, alternative arrangements right. for that but for the most part really it's business as usual for us we just make sure that um, if we do need to make particular or weather-related arrangements, we let folks know. But oh no, we are, we shut between um, December 24th and January 1st. But other than that, we are open for business. Nice. Yes. Now I also see you guys had a press conference on November 16th about the diaper connection and the new the new initiative. Yeah. Tell us about it. Yeah, so that's um, really exciting. It's one of the ways in which we're growing to meet more of the need. Okay. We have partnered with the Connecticut Hospital Association uh, and the Connecticut's hospitals, mm -hmm. so 27 and their um, affiliates. And what we know is that hospitals are geographically located in our state really where there are areas of need, of mm -hmm. significant need. And it makes sense for us to be working together because of their geographic reach and also because of the focus on health and prevention and that they are 
uh, a trusted resource in the community okay. for meeting the health needs of families, as well as having an interest in preventing more serious illnesses that the lack of access to diapers can cause for children and their families. Okay. Um, we know that there is a, like I said, growing body of research around the health impacts. And in fact, there is some research showing a high prevalence of emergency department visits for infants with severe diaper rash. So we hope that with this effort and the growth of um, this effort that we can help to reduce and hopefully eliminate um, the incidences of diaper rash that are related to diaper need. Okay. So it's really exciting. Um, we were at the Yukon Health Center for the sure. press conference, um, really for a chance and an opportunity to talk about this issue with the hospitals and their perspective on this as well, um, and getting their enthusiastic um, support and buy-in, that they recognize this as a need. That was something that we, uh, as the Denver Bank of Connecticut, and uh, certainly folks who care about this issue, were so excited to see that from the both the leadership and the folks who are working directly with families, understood that this is a critical health need uh, for uh, families with young children and that it speaks to the um, growing understanding of this need and that we and individuals uh, and organizations are really listening to what, what families with young children are telling us, that this is really significant, we need more help with this, and we wanna make sure that we are responsive to the needs of the families that we serve and that we hear it all the time. You know. During COVID, we heard about um, supply chain issues oh, yeah. in the beginning, around, even around diapers, and folks were, folks with resources were, you know, purchasing diapers in larger quantities because they were so afraid of not having them, right. which impacted many of the families that we serve ability to purchase when they had funds to be able to purchase. Uh, through now, you know. COVID showed what lack of access to basic health and hygiene needs could mean for folks who aren't faced with that every day, like the families that we serve are. Right. So we know that this is critically important and that the recognition from the health community that it's critically important uh, says something you know, to us that we know that we're on the right track and we're gonna keep moving forward so that we can keep continuing to meet more of the need. Now, how excited are the hospitals to be teaming up with you guys, especially with the new initiative? Yeah, so they're really excited and they're learning. Um, you know, they're very large institutions, of course, right. and with, um, with a lot on their plate already. Oh, yeah. And they're doing a wonderful job of, um, you know, setting up, preparing for the logistics, the folks that we're working with are normally doing that direct one-on-one -on -one work mm -hmm. with a family. Um, and so diapers and the logistical pieces of it are not necessarily a part of their day-to-day um, -day activities, yeah, yeah. right? So there was a learning curve. Right. Um, and we were, um, they were so enthusiastic about um, helping us figure it out. I think one thing that's exciting about this initiative is that with the Connecticut Hospital Association, we are working with the hospitals to figure out what what way works best for them. Right. 
So some of the hospitals are distributing right in the hospital. Some are choosing to partner with another community organization, mm -hmm. and some are doing a little bit of both so that if a family comes in and they have immediate need, they can give them a supply right away and then have them partner with a local community organization for that continuing need. Some hospitals are, are going to be continuing to provide the diapers and other related supplies uh, throughout. So it really depends on what works best for the hospital, and they're being responsive to their own community's needs and their um, ability to to handle the logistics. You know, we have uh, hospitals and health organizations of many different sizes mm -hmm. across the state, sure. and so we want to make sure that we are working with each of them in a way that works best for them. So they're excited, we're excited, and we know that the families are excited as well. Now, how easy is it to do a diaper drive? If people want to do a diaper drive so they can... Yes, it's, a, it's simple. Yeah. We have a couple of ways in which you could do it. So right. we have a great development team and they can help folks get started. Okay. Our idea or for best practices would be hold it for an extended amount of time, say two weeks to a month right. is usually a, a good stretch of time. Mm -hmm because most folks, unlike you know green beans or a canned good, you don't have it in your pantry, you might need to go get it. Yeah. So you, you need to have like a repeat set of um, customers mm -hmm. for it to work best. Right. And then just um, put out a little advertisement mm -hmm. or a flyer, you know, ask for the bigger sizes, four, fives, and six, um, and that's how you could do a physical drive. We also have the opportunity to do a virtual drive Really? Where we could set up, yeah, it's really wonderful. My development team uh, has a great um, kind of app that they have put together. So we can set up uh, a fundraising sort of page where you can purchase the diapers in, in like a case of diapers or, you know, the cash equivalent of a case of diapers or some other quantity. So it's very simple to do. Um, we have information on our website to help folks get started. And we have a little bit of a diaper drive kit and we actually have some branded boxes as well. So if you weren't sure where you wanted to put them, we could actually give you a, a box where you could um, store and advertise the, the diaper drive. Really? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's really great. Really, really great. Cool. It's got some fun graphics on it. It's a, a newer one for us, so we're really excited about it. Nice, nice. Yeah. And you know, this is the time of year where mm -hmm. um, we get a lot of requests for, from organizations, whether it's like a church group or a Girl Scout troop, yep. student group, where they want to do something, um, and diaper drives are a great opportunity for that. Same thing goes for um, corporate social engagement. Yep. Um, we have a lot of corporations who are really interested in doing either the physical and or the virtual drive. Right. And something that um, is really wonderful about that is that a lot of times if it's a virtual drive and there are donations that come in, they can be matched really? by the corporation. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You guys are a busy organization. We are, we're really busy. You guys, so do you think you're ever gonna do the gala again or who knows? Um, I think we'll do something, but maybe we'll keep it to the milestones. Ah. You know, I mean, we have, you know, 20 years is not that far away for no. us, so. Uh, maybe that'll be a great opportunity, but I think, you know, we want to make sure that we are, that we're everywhere, that we're across the state. That right. So, you know, our distribution is across the state. We want to reflect um, the support that we have across the state. Right. So, 
figuring out what that looks like next time. Well, I don't, I don't know if we could do, you know, 10, yeah. 10 galas across the state, but, no. um, you know, th there's got to be a way to help recognize the support that we receive across the state. So right. we'll definitely figure something Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Now, how did you guys handle the pandemic once everything happened and considered us to where we are now? Yeah. So um, we stayed open the whole time. Okay. We knew pretty early on, um, I would say that last week of February when we kind of started to, you know, hear a little bit about what could be coming. Mm -hmm. So we were able to put in some <clears throat> uh, emergency diaper orders yeah. very quickly oh, so yeah. that we can stock our partners up. And we just went into hyperdrive, literally um, had, you know, trucks on the road. I was even doing some deliveries. Um, absolutely. Really? Absolutely. Our partners were honestly um, incredible. If you recall in the beginning when we didn't know exactly what the transmissibility was or right. what this was gonna look like, many of our organizations actually closed their buildings. Wow. The workers still worked. Right. So a lot of them would do home visits to families. So we ended up delivering to some folks garage um, and then the workers would still go to visit the families um, and at least offer them this needed basic support, these diapers for the families. But for many, especially new parents, imagine what that was like. It can be pretty isolating even in the best of circumstances. Right. But during COVID, you're home with a new baby and you yeah. don't have access to the resources you normally have. Mm -hmm. That touch point and that home visit um, was really critical um, for the families. And so they continued to do it. Um, you know, throughout and as folks um, opened back up, we went back to sort of our normal um, delivery locations, but also the need and the job loss that occurred as a result of some of those closures impacted the families we serve the most severely. Right. And so we know that there are many folks who are still um, struggling to recover mm -hmm. from that. They just got behind and are, are trying to catch up. Um, and so we still don't know the impacts on that for a lot of the folks that we serve. And obviously we're back up and operational to this day. No, no service interruptions, everything's, yes. everything's good. Yes, yes, yep, absolutely. And now let's talk about the continued growth to meet unmet basic health needs. Yeah. So. You know, we are most well known for infant and toddler diapers, mm -hmm. of course. Um, and we've been doing work that um, in other areas that we are just now really expanding upon, mm -hmm. um, particularly in the um, area of you know, period supplies, incontinence products for youth and senior or adults right. incontinence products. Um, we did our first distribution of period supplies back in 2008. Okay. And that's been off and on as we've received donations. Right. Because you know, folks know that we are working with low-income families. They do um, send donations our way of these needed items. Um, and so in 2020, um, after receiving a, a significantly large donation of product, we formally launched um, these other programs. So our BEAM program uh, is 
for period supplies, and mm -hmm. that has really expanded. Because we've also done advocacy work to eliminate the sales tax yep. on diapers and period supplies that went into effect July 1st of 2018. Mm -hmm. um, and so we know that these supplies are, are needed. Um, and so we also worked this past legislative session on passing a bill that would ensure access to menstrual supplies in mm -hmm. schools. So, um, you know, ele elementary even, uh, middle school, high school, college, community college, and then also ensuring that there is an adequate supply in shelters yep. as well as jails and prisons. Um, and so our work in that area um, is growing. Um, again, we know that there is more need that, uh, that needs to be met in the state. Um, and so we'll continue to work as the state implements the bill that was passed last session um, on the period supplies. Our growth in the other areas, uh, in particular, we've had some corporate donations for the adult incontinence products. And I will say one, you know, the stories that will stay with me forever through COVID right. are those calls that we got from um, adults who had incontinence need or the need for their spouse. There's one in particular where it was um, an older gentleman whose wife was going through end-stage cancer. Oh boy. Um, and he needed supplies for her while she was going through her treatment. Mm -hmm. And she was in hospice care. And he is one of the um, folks who came directly to us during that time. Oh, okay. And, you know, we've grown that part of our work and continue to distribute and will continue to do so. But what that says to me is that something is fundamentally wrong when this person who is going through such a significant um, health event with his spouse has to come to an organization like ours for something so essential, so basic to the health of this person who is in this you know, dire circumstances. And so we work to meet the need but we also want to make sure that we are working toward policies that make sense, that there should have been an easier way for that gentleman to get this item for his spouse. Um, and so both of those things are critically important for the adult incontinence products, but also for the infants and toddlers and the other items. And the same thing goes for youth incontinence. Right. Now, how closely do you guys work with the Connecticut State Legislature? You know, we are, I consider us very lucky to have a state legislature that gets this issue. Mm -hmm. um, I will say this, our state legislature was the first state legislature in the country to have a line item for diapers. Really? It went away pretty quickly back in, the, in 2009 uh, during the recession, right. but we got back into the state budget um, and they get it. You know, we've had visits over the summer, um, from state legislators so that they could see the scale and scope of our operation and then truly understand the need. They could see the orders that were ready to go out, that these organizations that were in their communities were meeting this need directly. Um, you know, they saw our volunteer efforts, the way in which we can engage volunteers and individuals in a repacking exercise or counting or engage a corporate group in their community to actually help meet this need that really, that is everywhere. Right. Um, and so we work really closely to both educate state legislators if they aren't aware of us or our work, 
um, and then also so that they understand that we are good stewards of state any state funds that we receive um, and that they should know that this impacts someone that they represent absolutely absolutely and you guys are now if somebody wants to come down and see the operation are you guys up to we, oh, public tours? Um, that's uh, actually uh, a great idea. I mean, if we, we want to call it that, if we want to call it that, you know, we we've had open houses before. Right. Um, certainly, we would love to do that. That's a great idea um, to have an open house so that folks can see. We've had some public events. Uh, I would say our last one, like that, was in May. But we also have some Saturday opportunities for repack, and we typically will do tours when folks are coming in for something like that as well. But that's definitely something to check our website. Yep. We'll keep some updates on that, but that's a great idea. We've definitely been thinking about having another open house. Now, as far as when the diaper truck comes in, obviously it's all hands on deck. How hard is it to unload that? How hard is it yeah. to unload? And Well, here's what's amazing now. Mm. Now it's not hard at all because we have oh, no. we have a forklift um, and I have a team that handles it. We can, you know, it's done in a couple of hours. Whereas uh, in the yeah. past, it would take hours and it would be everyone and yeah, loading by you know, um, by the box. We will load by the pal unload by the pallet now. So mm -hmm. we, it's not all hands on deck. They tell us when it's done and it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. And honestly. Um, it makes us more efficient and effective and we can spend more time putting the orders together and getting right. those orders out to the families who need them. Well, you know what? We'll talk about all that coming back. Would you mind sticking around? Sure. All right. We'll be right back. Product shortages and increased online shopping could create the perfect opportunity for scammers this holiday season as desperate shoppers turn to shady websites in hopes of finding this year's must-have gift. BBB recommends the following tips to shop safe and shop smart this holiday season. Research before you buy. Go to BBB.org and read customer complaints and reviews. Also do an internet search of the seller with the words complaint and scam. If the deal looks too good to be true, it probably is. The top motivating factor for people who made a purchase and lost money last year was the price. Beware of fake websites. Check the URL, watch for bad grammar, and look for working contact information. Also make sure there's a small lock icon on the address bar and HTTPS in the URL. The extra S is for secure. Beware of making quick purchases while scrolling through social media. Scammers have access to tools to learn about your buying behaviors and offer exactly what you want at enticingly low prices. Always pay with a credit card. It's easier to dispute a transaction and get your money back than with any other method of payment. For more holiday tips from Better Business Bureau, go to bbb.org holiday. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm Pete Mazzetti sitting here with Jan Stolfi Alfano from the Diaper Bank. How are you? I am well. Thanks for sticking around. Absolutely. All right, so we were talking a little bit before the break about you guys simplified things the way when diapers come in the back door off the truck. Mm -hmm. Let's continue that conversation because we started it and let's. Sure. So what's great now, again, is we have um, a forklift. Mm -hmm. And so it makes unloading that much more efficient. Oh, absolutely. What used to take, you know, four hours takes one and a half. Yeah, there you go. And it's, it allows us to spend our time more wisely, which means our resources more wisely. Yeah. 
we can get to the business of getting the diapers and supplies where they need to be. Right. Um, so that's a wonderful, um, I will say milestone for us as an organization. Certainly mm -hmm. it took us a while. Um, before that we would use a, a pallet jack, whether it was an yep. electronic pallet jack or a manual back in the, back in the day, mm -hmm. manual pallet jack. So that would take a tremendous amount of time to unload a truck. Oh, absolutely. And there, you know, it's um, 30 pallets in a semi, which is what we're getting. And it could right. be, if you're doing that on a manual pallet jack, it's several, several hours. Yeah. Which, you know, makes for a cranky truck driver if they're uh -oh. waiting for you to unload. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, but we are, we are luckily past that. And um, honestly, that's been really a tremendous um, point of growth for our organization. And as far as, let's talk about the opportunity to help more of the need. Yeah, sure. Let's, let's start with the emergency COVID funds yep. that are going to run out and what mm -hmm. you guys are going to need donations to continue. Yeah, so we were lucky enough and we worked hard to make sure that we can help families when they need it the most, which we know how many of our families, the families that we serve struggled during uh -huh. COVID. Yep. So we wanted to make sure that we looked for any and every opportunity that we could to increase our distribution to meet that need. And so we applied for um, and received two separate um, instances of COVID related emergency funding. One was ARPA funds yeah. through the Office of Early Childhood. Mm -hmm. And with that, we purchased um, diapers and other related products like formula, gift cards to the grocery store, some PPE, you know, like masks and other things for um, right. any family who was served by um, home visiting, who got home visiting funds through the Office of Early Childhood. Yep probably around 1,400 children that that directly impacted and basically the organizations that are working with them directly. Um, and so, you know, we heard from our colleagues at the Office of Early Childhood. They were interested in this. They had worked with us in the past. And so it was a natural opportunity for us to help reach more families. Um, and that's still going on. And we'll continue to do so till um, September of 2023. Okay. So we know that's time limited. Um, the other is through um, the State Department of Housing. There was some HUD dollars, which were federal dollars, okay. that was administered through the state. Um, and so we this that is what is funding the initiative for the Connecticut Hospital Association and ah, the hospital. Gotcha. Again, we know that those dollars are limited. Um, and we will need to raise funds to continue to support that initiative and also expand upon it. Um, but we know how critical it is and that certainly in Connecticut there are opportunities for folks to be involved um, with direct fundraising for that effort as well. And so, so we know that the, the need isn't going away. No. We know that we take the opportunities when we can to increase our distribution, and then we would know that we will need to continue to fundraise to actually meet that need and more of the need that exists. Mm -hmm. And so there are certainly ways to do that. It is the, t the season where folks will, I think, uh, 
you know, right around Thanksgiving, Giving Tuesday, year-end appeals. Yep. Certainly that is happening now, and we are right in the season of that for our organization as well. Mm -hmm. So we will be doing asking uh, for folks to say if you have the ability to do so, it is critically important that families are able to meet this need, and it's critically important for our organization to have your support um, in order to help meet families' needs this year and next year. Um, and as we work toward figuring out what is a good solution, a public policy solution that will help meet most of the need, um, we will still continue to fundraise in order to do that. Absolutely. And I believe Giving, giving Tuesday is coming up, mm -hmm. I believe. Correct. I don't know. Correct. It would, it would I'm okay. not sure when this will air, but it is tomorrow. Well, it will air tomorrow. Okay, wonderful. So it's today. Okay. Um, um, and so we know that that need exists tomorrow, right? today, the next day. Um, up through the end of the year and even a little bit after, we're going to be continuing to fundraise so that we can continue to meet the needs of Connecticut residents. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, let's go, let's start back to square one and talk about sure. the Healthy Baby Diaper Drive. Yes. Which was a three-week statewide effort to collect 500,000 diapers from September 24th to October 16th, I believe. Correct. Tell and, me about it. Yep, we were really excited about that and it was yeah. successful. And what was, I would say, the, the most um, hopeful thing about it was that we put it together in a short amount of time. Yep. And we're also going to do it again next year. This is going, that was the first annual Healthy Baby Diaper Drive. So we were able to collect and raise 500,000 diapers. Nice. You know, we'll see what our goal will be next year. But we know that, you know, Connecticut uh, residents really supported this effort and we are hopeful to make it even bigger and better next year. Right. Now, as far as, let's talk about again, the Diaper Connection, the new initiative. Yeah. You guys just announced at a press conference on the 16th of November, I believe. Correct, that's let's correct. Let's get into detail about that, All how's right. that work? That's great, so, you know, um, we held the press conference at the Yukon Health Center. Yep. And Yukon Health was one of the first um, adopters. Um, they got on board and got um, and their distribution started right away. Um, and they are really working with um, families with young children that are referred by um, their social work department. Yep. Um, and so they've taken several distributions of diapers already and distributed them out. And so, you know, their method and model uh, is different from many of the other hospitals. Like we said, they are, we are tailoring the distribution to what works best for them. So we have some um, hospitals, like some of the Hartford Healthcare hospitals, mm -hmm. they are choosing a partner that is local to the community that can reach families who um, maybe wouldn't go to the hospital as much or as often. Um, it's really meeting families where they are, um, which is critically important. You know, one thing to note about this funding for this initiative yep. in particular is that it, it 
can serve families who are undocumented as well. Um, and that the income threshold is a little bit higher. It uses area median income as opposed to the poverty level. Okay. So families who are a little bit above that, um, that 200% of the federal poverty level mm -hmm. can qualify, which is really important. And it was important to us and also important to the hospitals so that they can meet the needs of folks that they may be serving. Because folks who are coming into you know, the health centers or the hospitals are coming regardless of um, their status. So they wanted to make sure that they could support those families with this critical need as well. And now as far as let's talk about to the continued growth to meet on my basic health needs. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about um, the, the different types mm -hmm. of products that we are offering. Right. And how we look at it is that it's basic health needs across the lifespan. If we think about you know, diapers for infants and toddlers. Um, and we didn't talk at all uh, necessarily about formula need. Yeah, let's talk about you know, that. Oh. That was something that bubbled up during COVID. Right. That's how it's, you know, it started, oh, absolutely. how we started to become involved in it. Uh, because we were hearing from so many families that they weren't able to access formula. Um, and then we, hear, we heard about it again um, during the um, recall right. of formula. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we were involved in a few listening sessions with some uh, of our federal legislators. Yeah. And families who talked about this issue, so many of them actually had babies who had consumed some of the tainted formula really? and became really ill. Um, and so not only were they now continuing to have trouble to access f safe formula for their babies, they were contending with, you know, the, the health consequences of having had formula that wasn't safe. Right. Um, and so, so many of them were spending time um, calling different stores to see where they could get formula mm -hmm. and, and not necessarily having the resources like some folks were to travel to different locations, trying to get a can or two. Right. Imagine what that must have felt like. I can't. Oh, absolutely. I cannot. No. You know, my my boys are older now, um, but when they were little, you you think about okay, my child likes a certain type of formula, right. and not having access to that would cause some sometimes uh, upset stomach. Absolutely. Or something. So imagine not being able to get what your child needed at all. Yeah. And so. That's something that we are um, now providing. We've had some support from uh, a generous donor um, from formula that was imported from Australia that got FDA approval. Really? Organic formula, um, Bellamy's formula. Uh, the Kelsey Naylor um, Family Foundation was the generous donor. What's interesting about that is that families are still not able to source, you know, um, adequate quantities of the formula that their baby might use. Right. So we know that that's still impacting families, um, and that's again one of those essential needs across the lifespan. And then when you think about, you know, period supplies and youth incontinence products for children over three mm -hmm. that have special needs that have incontinence needs. Right. Uh, you know, for a number of different reasons. We have families who may qualify for some help with that through Medicaid because they are covered, 
but when you have a child who has incontinence needs, many times your expenses are, you have other medical expenditures that the average family doesn't right. have. Um, and so there can be an opportunity for that income limit that is associated with Medicaid to be waived, but there's a process, there's a bureaucratic process around that. And so many families don't qualify right away or they end up on a waiting list for that. So we know that they still need help. Um, and so we are learning a lot more about that as we partner with hospitals and different organizations about the specific health needs of youth who have incontinence needs. Right. And then again, uh, adults. You know, there are um, adults, you know, over 21 all the way through um, older adults who have incontinence needs for different types of reasons. Mm -hmm. Again, there is some coverage through Medicaid for those items, but we know that there are more people who need it. So when we think about that, the example that I talked about earlier, where the older yeah, gentleman and the right. wife had, you know, was going through um, cancer treatment, had some incontinence needs, we know that the, the um, opportunity for supporting these families is there. It's just thinking about the ways in which we can support um, the organization to make sure that we can connect families to those resources. Now, as far as, let's talk about the opportunities to help more of the need as yeah. far as that goes. Yeah, so one um, mm. growing area where we've seen some increased support, mm -hmm. we've been really doing a lot of outreach to companies ah. um, and of various sizes who want to be involved, who want to engage their employees in some effort as a team builder or uh, folks who are civically minded. Yep. They want to get involved in a local community organization. We've been um, really seeing a growth in that. So a corporate group will bring some employees, they'll do a repacking event, they maybe will do a diaper drive in conjunction with that um, and either raise funds or diapers or both um, and then repack at our location. It's really, um, it's kind of a fun bonding opportunity. Is it? It really is, um, and it's so interesting. I, I observed my team, and we've been doing these for a long time okay. um, on, at different scales and different levels, but we always say it takes about seven minutes for a group who's coming to do a repack to get into a really good flow, and then it's like clockwork. Yeah. Um, but it's a really fun way for folks to learn how to work together to do a very concrete task while also learning about the issue of diaper need, how it can impact folks in the communities in which they live, and then what they can do specifically on that day and in the future to help meet the need, whether it's counting and sorting diapers, whether it's doing a diaper drive, whether it's talking about the issue to someone in their family, or talking about the issue to a legislator right. when there's an opportunity for that. Um, you know, thinking about concretely what it might mean for a family to not have the basics, you know, to not have the basic health essentials like a diaper, like a period supply, like an incontinence product for a youth or an adult. Imagine what that might mean and how isolating that could be. You know, for, we talked about families with young children. Imagine mm -hmm. if you're an older adult and you don't have the incontinence products that you need and you can't participate fully in your life and visiting right. your family. Um, we want to make sure that no individual, that no family has to experience that. 
that that is, we know that there are ways to solve that, that supporting families with these basic essentials can help that. Now, as far as the repacking project goes, yeah. you said it takes about seven and a half minutes to... To get a good rhythm going. To get a good rhythm going and do it? Absolutely. How, how hard is it? It's, it's really simple and actually... Oh yeah? It's very simple. You should right. come and try it sometime. Oh, we have boy. a portable um, sealing device. We can actually take it on the road too. That's something um, new that we are talking with, especially companies and civic groups. Uh, if they're having an on-site, say, team-building type event, we can actually bring our materials uh, to help folks have folks repack right on-site if they did a drive. So we're actually doing, actually we're doing one tomorrow. At, are we? Um, yes, we are. Where? Um, at Synchrony. Where's that? It is in Fairfield County. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a great opportunity for folks to be engaged and involved. And if you can't bring your whole team to our location, we can bring our team to you. Really? Yeah, so it's oh, really, cool. really cool. Um, How long does it take to, from start to finish? Um, it depends on <laughs> how much you're gonna do, how much repacking you're gonna do, but so really it's, you know, taking some diapers and counting them into quantities of 25 or 50, okay. putting them in a bag, and then sealing the bag and then putting a sticker on the bag. So, you know, if you get a good group together, um, you can do a whole bunch, even say 10,000 diapers in an hour, if, if you have I'm enough sure people. I'm sure you've done it. Absolutely. More than once. Absolutely, Yeah. absolutely. We got it down. You know, one thing that's been great, we have a hmm. group of students uh, that comes every week. Um, actually, they'll probably be coming back next week. They're usually every Monday. Um, and they are, student groups are incredible because they are so interested in the issue and they want to learn more and they are engaged and they get the policy side of things, but they know how um, this would impact someone that they know. It's such a wonderful opportunity for us to engage um, folks early on in being civic minded and understanding how what they do, what they learn, can impact someone in their community. And so we love working with student groups, um, and they're so incredible. Um, they've been really engaged in the advocacy, particularly around uh, the menstrual equity and the period supply bills. Um, and so we are really looking, uh, we, we ask them to you know, tell us what they think and help us craft, help us craft what they think would be uh, fair policy oh. in that regard. So it's really wonderful. Now, as far as the, very shortly here in the state of Connecticut, the legislature is going to go back into session. Yes. What are you guys hoping to see yes. in this coming legislative session? Yes, in the long session, starting in January. Um, I believe January today, right? January to June? June, yes. Okay. Yep. Um, we are certainly going to be looking for, for more support. Yeah. We want to make sure that the, this issue is you know, top of mind that basic needs, you know, are um, something that they're thinking about all the time. Right. But these are essentials. Yeah. So we're definitely going to be asking for more support because we know that the impact that this has on families across the state in mm -hmm. every community. So we've been having a lot of visits. We're going to continue to do that. We're going to do some um, virtual advocacy meetings. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned. We'll have some more info on those on our website. Oh, nice. 
works. Um, but we are definitely making sure that families can have their basic needs met and that our state has been so responsive and we want them to continue to do that. Now, as far as I don't know if the Capitol building is open to the public or how they're going to if they're going to do legislative session virtually again this year. I haven't heard. Yet. I don't know. I have not heard yet Me either. I know that they were um, there was just a special session, uh, mm -hmm. but I don't know how the session is going to go yeah. in January. And I think we're still I think we're still waiting to hear. Still waiting to hear from. I think we're still waiting to hear. I will say I hope mm. that there is at least some opportunity for a virtual option for folks, because yes. I do think that made it more accessible for many more people. I do miss being there, though. I yes, <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's a beautiful building. It is gorgeous. I've been, I've been up there yeah. a couple, couple times over the year. Mm -hmm. Jim Amon, who was the Speaker of the House from Milford, is actually a dear friend, so I think every time he was okay. Speaker, I, he would have me up. Okay, yes. Like, twice a year introduced me on the house of the, the floor mm -hmm. of the house and so that's been a little bit oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah no, he's yeah. a great guy what? so if people want more information yeah. where are they going yep so our website is the best place so uh, the diaperbank.org um, okay. and there's information on the new diaper connections initiative on yeah. how they could be more involved how they can support our work with donations or a diaper drive or a virtual drive okay information about our partners there's um, a wealth of information about the organization and our partners and who we support and you guys have partners in every county in every the county state of connecticut. that's correct every, every county in the state of connecticut that's got to be a pretty big list of yeah partners that yes. you guys work with absolutely and you know I don't even know the exact number anymore. That's okay. so many, it's about a hundred and something, depending right. on which uh, which partnership cool. you're talking about. Well, Janet from the Connecticut Diaper Bank, thanks for some time, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. On behalf of Janet Stolfi Alfano, I'm Pete Mazzetti. Thanks. Good night. We'll see you next time.